kind of a cliche, but you know, a lot of people say it's already been good to be in God's house, and it has. And uh, I'll be honest with you, it kind of worries me if the Spirit of God is not in a church. Amen? We should come, and, and the Bible says where two or three are gathered, He'll be with us, and I believe He's with us this morning. If you've got your Bibles, we'll be in the book of 2 Corinthians this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, we're going to start our reading in verse 8, read 10 verses, and, uh, and this is a wonderful scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 8, if you're able to stand, I would ask that you would honor the reading of God's Word. Are you there, church? Say amen. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, the Apostle Paul writes, and he says that we are troubled on every side... Yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that made the life also of Jesus, that though also the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might be, might through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for all your many blessings. Lord, I just pray, God, that as the word goes out this morning, Lord, that it would find a place to lodge in people's hearts. And God, I just pray that, that, Lord, you would continue to move in this service. God, we don't want to do anything to hinder you this morning. God, I just pray that your word would speak and, and, and Lord, that lives would be changed this morning, God, and that most of all, you would be glorified. Lord, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel. Lord, I stand here so unworthy this morning, but God, I just stand here to proclaim your word as a herald. Lord, I just pray that you would give me the, the clarity of mind and clarity of speech to say what you would have me to say and nothing else. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul, I love to read his writing, and, and I've spent a whole lot of time in the Old Testament the past few weeks. 
And, and as I, I was studying out this week, these, this verse came to me, not this verse, but another verse in 2 Timothy. And I believe it's in chapter 4, verse number 2. And the Apostle Paul, he's telling Timothy something. He says, preach the word, be instant in season and an out of season, right? And he says that you always, as a preacher, have to be ready, right, Tanner? You've always got to be ready. But then, then he says this, he says, reprove and rebuke. And I believe in the, in the world that we live in that there needs some be, need to be some reproval and some rebuke, right? There really does. And, and I'm not going to lie to you, but that's not why, uh, what I want to preach this morning. After that, he gives another word. and He says, reprove, rebuke, and then he says, uh, exhort. And I'll be honest with you folks, with, with the condition of, of things, I think that Christian people, we need some exhortation this morning, don't we? We need some encouragement, we need some uplifting. And, and not only did he say that we are to exhort people, but he says that we're to do it with all long-suffering. He says that, that, that as a pastor, that I am to exhort, and that word exhort just simply means to encourage people. And, and this morning, folks, I just, I want to give you some encouragement. Is that okay? Would you accept some encouragement this morning? I'll tell you what, this week, I was, Wednesday night, I always try to get to church fairly early. And I was headed home from church, and uh, the state director, Brother Chris Dodson, called me on the phone. And, and, and I see that, and you know, I answer it, and, and he says, hey, do you eat supper before or after that you, you go to church on Wednesday night? And I said, well, if I can do, I'll just do both if I can. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. I said, I said, I usually try to eat before. And he said, well, I can't do that. He said, let's meet for supper. He said, I'm stuck in traffic in Baxter. And I thought, how could anybody be stuck in traffic in Baxter, right? And I think he must be lying. I, I don't really know. But anyway, so he met me, and, and we sat down. And, and all he said is he said, he said, nothing's wrong. He said these words. He said, I just want to encourage you. I appreciate that from a person. You know that? That that guy was, made up something like being stuck in traffic in Baxter. He, he could have at least said something better than that. And he said, he said I'm going to get off the interstate. And he said, I just want to encourage you. And so we get to the book of 2 Corinthians, and Paul is writing this to the Corinthian church, and he addresses all kinds of things with the Corinthian church. He addresses their sin in some parts of the book, and he addresses them as the body of Christ, and so many things that he does. But right here, the Apostle Paul wants to stop and just take a break and tell them that everything's going to be okay. He wants to tell this Corinthian church, hey, I, I, I understand and I know what's going on, so I'm just going to read through this. And, and the crux of this message is, is three verses, 16, 17, and 18. And I'll get to that in just a few minutes. But you see the Apostle Paul right starting in verse 8, and here's where I started for a reason. Paul says, he says, we are troubled on every side. You know, he's sitting there, and he's sitting with, with the beloved physician Luke. Luke was basically Paul's attending physician. He went with him, and, and not only did he help write stuff down, sometimes I believe that he actually had to help Paul with his physical ailments occasionally. And Paul said, as we look around, as, as we see what's going on, he said that we're troubled on every single side. You know, normally, if, if you're like me, if trouble's in front of you, you try to go the other way, right? Generally. If something is wrong and, and something trouble is that way, maybe maybe you're in a you're in a car and, and there's a train speeding towards you from that way. Obviously, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to try to get get us in another, any direction as fast as you can. But Paul said, "Hey, he said I've got troubles when I turn this way, when I turn this way, when I turn this way." He said, "I'm surrounded by troubles." I can say Amen to that today, can't you? 
I believe that everybody that, that, that's alive today at some point in their life, if you're not in that position right now, you, you either have been or you will be at some point where it seems like that no matter which way you go, there's trouble. It may be big, it may be little, it may not be anything to anybody else, but it's trouble for you. And he said, we look and there's trouble everywhere. But then he says this, he could have just stopped and he could have said, well, there it is, there's trouble. But he's going to encourage people. He said, that, he said, we're troubled on every side. He said, yet not distressed. You think about that, that when a, a boat gets in, in trouble on the sea, I think about this, the first thing that they'll do or a plane in the air is they will send a distress signal. They'll shoot a flare up in the air or they'll sound a certain uh, beep over the, uh, over the airplane intercom system and folks will know that they're, they're in trouble. Hey, we, we need some help. But Paul said that even though there's trouble on every single side of us, he said, I'm not distressed about it. He said, I'm not ready to shoot up the flare and say, hey, come rescue me, God. He said, he said I'm just going to accept it. He goes on and he says, that, he says we are perplexed. I like that word perplexed. That word, it, it just simply means that there's things happening that I don't understand. I'll say amen to that. that not only are we troubled, but there are things in life that I don't understand. There are things going on right now I just don't get. If you're like me, and, and I, I kind of like to have a handle on the situation. That's, that's just my nature. I, I don't like things to get ahead of me. And, and I especially don't like to not understand things. And Paul, you know, Paul was the man, and, and most of you here know about Paul and his testimony. He was the man that, that God called on the road to Damascus. He was a guy that, that was a missionary to, to so many churches and started churches and traveled thousands and thousands and thousands of miles. And he was in the center of God's will. He was doing what God had called him to do. And yet he says that, that there were still things in his life he didn't understand. I would say one of those things, this, this is just my supposition, but I would say one thing that Paul might not have understood is why he had to sit in a prison so much. You know, there was four different occasions that Paul was imprisoned, right? Did you know that? Four separate occasions. That he, and you know how, why he got imprisoned every single time? Because he was preaching the gospel. My, what a reason to be imprisoned, Amen. And, and, and just sometimes, and, and, and again, this is just me trying to, trying to think of how Paul would think. You know, maybe Paul wondered sometimes and he thought, God, I could, I could probably do you some, some more good if I wasn't in prison. You know, maybe if I was out there somewhere and, and God, can I start a few more churches? God, I need to go train some more pastors like Timothy. I need to go, to, you know, call some more Tituses. And I, I need to be working for you. And, and I just don't understand. I'm that way myself. Some things I just don't understand. And guess what? God does not have to give me the answer. I mean, I wish I could report to you today that everything that you ask God, He would just say, here it is. Here's the answer. But sometimes God doesn't tell you why. It just happens like that. Amen. He said, he said, we're perplexed. He said, but even though we're perplexed, God has not forsaken us. I say, God, why am I in this prison? But yet he's not forgotten me. He's not forsaken me. He's not left me. He says that we're cast down. When Paul wrote that, he means what he meant when he said cast down is he meant literally beaten to the ground. 
Not only was he in prison four times, but he was beaten three times with 39 stripes. Paul was whipped over and over and over. And when Paul could say the words that we are cast down, that guy right there knew what being cast down was. I mean beaten until he was on the ground. And he, he bore in his body those marks the rest of his life. He said, that, he said we're cast down. He said, but, but I'm not destroyed. He said that they can, they can beat on me as much as they want to. But until God says they're not going to destroy me. He says all these things. And he says not distressed. Not in despair. And not destroyed. Three times. You, you see those things that he's not. It's easy to get that way sometimes isn't it? It's easy. I mean, I'm one of those people that, that I'm just naturally wired to get stressed out over things. Any of you get stressed out sometimes? I do. I mean, I do. I'm getting gray hair, my goodness. And thankfully, my hairline's not receding. It's just turning gray. Amen? And sometimes I get stressed out. And, and sometimes, you know, I, I get in despair. And, and sometimes I feel like I'm destroyed. But Paul said, no, we're not. We're not. And he goes on, and I won't read all these verses, but, but one thing that I want to pull out right here in, in just the next two verses is 10 and 11. He says that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. The very next verse, he says, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Do you see that twice? He said that the, the fact that I'm going through all this, the fact that he was locked up in prison is, and beaten was, was so that people could see Jesus. And that no matter what he was going through, and no matter how tough it seemed, and, and no doubt it was tough. It was so tough that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he asked God three times, Lord, take this thing away from me. He asked him to take his thorn in the flesh. Paul dealt with the same thing. He was not just a superhuman. He felt pain. He felt emotions. He felt everything that we're going through, and yet he was able to write these words that he wasn't distressed. He wasn't in despair, and he wasn't destroyed. And I think about that, and, and I think about things that people deal with in this very church people are saying amen right now that, that are, are, could be cast down and destroyed I see I, I mean I've seen people in here that I know what they're going through and yet they're still saying amen how can they do that why in the world could somebody take all of, of the things that are going on in life and take all these beatings and take all these imprisonments? How in the world could somebody go through all that? And then they, they say later on, they said that this, is, this redounds and we hope that and we give God thanks for all these things. Why could somebody do that? That doesn't make sense, does it? It just doesn't. I mean, if you wrote it down on paper and said, okay, I'm going through all these things, and yet you put a bottom line, and you said, I'm just going to praise God, on paper it doesn't make sense, does it? But yet people do it. We do it. We're supposed to do that. 
And I think, how and why can we do that? And I believe the answer lies in the last three verses of this chapter. Verse 16, turn your attention to that. He said, for which cause we faint not. He said, this is why that we don't give up. If you're a Christian today, and this, this is a Christian message that I'm preaching to the Christians, you cannot give up. There's nowhere to give up. See, God didn't say that when you get saved, you live for me for a while, and then when you attain a certain level and get to a certain point, then you can just, you can just lay down and, and give up. God never said that. Trust me, I've read the Bible through several times. It's not in there. He said that we faint not. We don't give up because we can't give up. And he goes on to say, For this cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You know, I look around and, and you know what I see in our churches? I see people perishing. <laughs> our flesh is perishing every day. I'm not trying to make an example out of you, but... I don't know if y'all noticed this, but, but Christy had to have hip surgery. Did y'all know that? Everybody looks surprised and thinks how young she is. She, she's younger than I am. Do you believe that? She had to have hip surgery. You know why? Because her body's perishing. You feel like you're perishing sometimes, sister? Brother Albert, he's hurting this morning. You know why he's hurting? His body's perishing. Our, our body, because, because of sin and because of that awful thing called the curse, it, it deteriorates. And, and Paul's deterioration was compounded by the fact that he's getting beat everywhere he goes. He would walk into a city and he would preach Jesus and a mob would form and they would start beating on him and they would start stoning him and they would start doing all these wicked things to him. And he said that, he said that our outward man, he said, is perishing. He said, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You know, every day when you wake up, the mercies of the Lord are new. And that God will refresh you and that God is with you. And I know it's hard. I'm not trying to belittle anything that anybody's going through. I'm not trying to, to act like that the pain is not real because I know it is. It's real. Things that people are going through, they're real. And, and I'm not trying to just sweep those things under the rug. But I'm saying that, that we can deal with them. Because of verse number 18. If there's, if there's anything in the Bible that, that is really hard, and there's a lot of things in the Bible that are hard to do. I understand that. I get it, you know. But he says in verse 18, he says, While we look not at the things which are seen. I'm guilty of, in, in my own life, is, is looking at just what is in front of me. Now, I, I'm going to give you all a visual, visual illustration. Is that okay? Because I understand this better when I see it. I gave Tanner, before the service this morning, a little baggie. And, and there's something in this baggie. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to hold this up. Can, can anybody see what's in this baggie? Anybody at all? I mean, some of y'all are straining, right? Does it look like anything's in there at all, or do you think I'm just holding up an empty bag messing with y'all? You think I'm messing with you? How many of you think I'm messing with you? Austin, is there anything in there? What is it? 
scrap. Austin thinks it's scraps. It's rice. And I, I gave this to Tanner before the service. And I said, count how many's in here. And how many pieces is in there, Tanner? Eight or nine pieces of rice. Y'all believe me, right? If you don't believe me, after the service, you just ask me. I'll show it to you. And here's the illustration. I, I thought about this, and, and I'm going to go ahead and read on just for a minute. And we'll get back to that. He said, while we look not at the things which are seen. He says, but at the things which are not seen. You know, just looking at these, and, and let's just say that every one of these grains of rice represented one decade of your life. Brother Albert, there's not enough in there for you, okay? But everybody else, just most of you are not up to this point. But let's just say there's eight grains of rice in here. And every one of those represents ten years. That's 80 years, right? Is my math right on that? And for those 80 years, those 70 years, 60 years, 30 years, however long you've been alive, if you've had 10 years of suffering, you think that's a long time, don't you? You know why that, that it's so hard? It's because what we do, and this may look silly, but what we do is we take this, this little tiny 10 years of our life and we do this right here. We hold it up right in front of us to where we can't see anything else. That's what we do. He said, while we look at the things, we look at the things which are seen, which are these. But then he uses another word. He says that we're supposed to look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. James chapter 4 verse 14, James asked a question. He said, for what is your life? There's a question mark right there. He said, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. In this, this little baggie, this, this could be your life right here for a little time. But then I thought, now what, what could we do to represent eternity? I mean, how, how, do, how do you represent eternity? Can, can anybody think about that? I mean, it's something that's impossible to even portray, isn't it? But I'm going to try my very best this morning. If anybody wants this after church, you just let me know. I went to Walmart last night, and I got the biggest bag of rice I could find. And last night, I poured these out on the kitchen floor, and me and Lacey counted them. No, I'm just kidding. We really didn't. <laughs> it's 20 pounds of rice, okay? Now, y'all can see this, right? Can y'all see this? Anybody having trouble seeing what's, what this bag is? Anybody having trouble with that? It's real easy to see, isn't it? You know why it's real easy to see? Because there's more of it. It's simple. When you get down right down just to the, to the same level and you look at it right here, you're going to see that there are individual pieces of rice all in this bag. Now, I, I got my calculator out last night because I can't count this high. And I got my phone out and I googled how much does a piece of rice weigh. One piece of rice weighs .03 grams. That don't mean anything to anybody. But as I calculated it up, and I calculated it through, through, through grams, and then I got to ounces, and then when I got to ounces, I finally got to pounds, and then I multiplied the pounds times 20, 
And they're, they're according, according to Google, there is a possibility that there are 320,000 pieces of rice in that bag. If you want to count them, I'll give you the bag. You can do it. But if you multiply that times 10, guess how many that is? That's 3.2 million. That, that right there just, just represents 3.2 million years. All right, remember this, this every grain of rice is 10 years in your life, right? Now I'm going to show you something. We, we suffer maybe for this long, right? And, and it's hard for this long, for these 80 years. But let me show you this. If I hold this, this bag of rice up and I do this, could you tell, could you, can you see those grains of rice at all? Why is that? Because there's more in the big bag, right? Now, where am I going with this? What am I trying to say here this morning? What I'm trying to tell you is, is that this pain and this suffering and this, this trouble and this being cast down and this whole persecuted business, it's only going to last for a little while. And then eternity starts. See, the, the thing about it is, and the thing that, that we, we focus so much on what's in front of us, and, and our day-to-day life, and, and even we even focus on death sometimes, don't we? You know, if, if you're anything like, like I am, I mean, I've thought about what it's going to be like to die. I mean, I don't know, I've never experienced that. But, but at the end of the day, we, we sort of think about all the things that we go through in our life, and, and then we get to death, and we sort of just stop thinking right there sometimes. And we forget that, that right on the other side of leaving this world is eternity. Now the wonderful thing is, is that if you're a Christian here this morning, that, that when that eternity starts, that when you get into that big bag of rice right there, that, that all the pain and all the suffering is over. I won't go to the book of Revelation, but I'll tell you that John says over and over, he says no more suffering, no more pain, no more death, and he gives all these no mores that, that we're not going to have to deal with anymore. But yet we, we, we don't focus on that. I believe the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this, he wrote, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's read into chapter 5. I'm just going to read one verse there. He said, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, that's our body, were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. See, the thing about it is, is we have hope. I see people that are hurting, but yet I see people that are hurting and they have hope. The thing, but, but you take it a step further, and I think about people that are not saved, and they're hurting too. Did you know that? See, the thing about trouble and the thing about bad things in life is they'll come to anybody. They don't, they don't just hit good people and they don't just hit bad people. I mean, everybody is dealing with something. And if you're lost here this morning, you know, you may be dealing with something. You may be hurting. You, you may be going through things. But on the other side of eternity, that's still waiting for you. 
Eternity is still there. No, no matter if you're saved or lost, you still have eternity to deal with. You can either live in the joys of heaven and, and, and spend eternity with God, or, or the alternative is spending eternity in pain and suffering in hell. That's just the truth. Amen? As, as Christians, please, please, please think about this rice right here. And how, how much that, that this life is over. For some of you, it's closer than others. That's just the fact of the matter. Some of you have, you know, 50 more years of that, that life to deal with. Some of you may have two or three. Who knows? But regardless, we have eternity. We have eternity. And then when this, guess what? When this bag of rice runs out, there's a hundred thousand to, to go in its place. 3.2 million years, you know, that's just the beginning of eternity. That's just where it starts. And I want to encourage people this morning that, that this life is not all we have to look forward to. This life is, is, is soon going to be over. I, I tell you what, I just hope Jesus comes back and we can just all go out together. But if not, we'll go out individually and then we'll step into eternity. I want to read you one more verse and we're almost done. James chapter 5. James knew a lot about this life. And he said, Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it, until he received the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Hang on just a little bit longer. I mean, I, I, just, just, just trust God a little bit more. I don't, I don't know how else to put it, because I can't explain these things because I'm not dealing with some of the things that y'all are dealing with. I'm not going through some of the things that you're going through. But what I do know is that if you have the blood of Jesus applied to your heart, you have hope. You have, you have an eternity of, of wonder and an eternity of safety, an eternity of, of nothing that could ever go wrong. All the wrongs will be righted. All the evil will be replaced with good. And God will reign. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, I thank you for our hope. And, and Lord, I just pray that, that this section of Scripture this morning, Lord, has given encouragement to somebody. Lord, I, I just want to encourage people. And God, I just I, I want people... To know that there's more than what we're looking at. And God, I just pray that you would open our eyes. And Lord, that you would let us look through the lens of eternity. And see how microscopically small our troubles are. See how small our lives are compared to, Lord, what you have for us. And the fact that we can spend eternity with you. And God, on the flip side of that, Lord, I, I, my prayer is that somebody would be saved this morning. 
And that, Lord, people would understand that eternity is real for everyone. God, help us as Christians to hold on. And, Lord, help the lost to surrender so that they can have that same hope. In Jesus' name, amen.